Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. You'll notice that there's reciting of things where God is saying, when you come into the land, you go to the priest and you say this to him. We see it in verse 3, and you can look at it and it says, say to him. You can underline that. And then verses 5 through 10, you can look at verses 5 through 10, and beginning in verse 5, and it says, and you shall answer and say before the Lord your God. And then he gives the quotes that they're going to say. They're going to say something in addition to the things that they were going to give. And also, 13 Verses 13 through 15, you look at that. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, etc., etc. And so verses uh, 3, and then verses 5 through 10, and then verses 13 through 15. This is a little bit different. Welcome to Truth in Christ Radio for today. Pastor Rob begins part two of his first fruits instructions. In this study, we learn that the people were told to put their offerings in a basket and bring it to the priest, where they were then given instructions to recite particular facts of how they were slaves in bondage and how God gave them their freedom through many mighty acts and brought them to the promised land. This sacrificial offering of worship was given to remind them where they came from and what God had done for them. As believers in Jesus Christ, we too should always remember his sacrificial gift, which released us from our bondage to sin. Thank you, Lord, for what we gained through your death and resurrection. Let's join Pastor Rob for today's study. When the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show them, no show mercy to them. And this is a God great in mercy, great in compassion. We don't understand that. We, you know, it's hard to understand. But the more I get to know the Lord, the more I realize, when I think of children, you've heard, we've said this before, how could, how could your mercy, Lord, be in, I mean, a man, a grown man and a grown woman in the rebellion, I can understand that, why you would allow them to just go in and wipe them out. But little kids, Lord. Well, have you ever considered that that little child, the Bible says, for such is the kingdom of God. And that little child doesn't even know the difference between good and, and bad. And when God allows them to be destroyed, you know what I believe? I believe that they go to heaven with their creator. It's like someone who miscarriages. If you're, if you're a woman here tonight and you've had a miscarriage, you're going to see that child again. If you've had a young son, you know, four or five years old, and he dies in some kind of freak accident, guess what? I believe you're going to see them again. It's when they get to the point where they know right from wrong and they, 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 they're accountable to that. Then things change. But until then, and only God knows, but those infants, those little ones, they are going to be in God's glory. But if, had they grown up, do you see this? Had they grown up in that culture, they would have, whenever it was that they departed from this earth, if they hadn't turned away from their cultural sin, when they died, they would have gone to hell. Does that make sense? So do you see God's mercy in it? 
It makes very much sense to me. And the child doesn't even know fear. In an instant, it's over. God is merciful. Never forget he's merciful. So on verse 2, he says, And that you should take some of the first of all the produce of the ground. Underline produce of the ground, please. Underline produce of the ground. Which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you, notice. And he says, Now put it in a basket and go through the place to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. And we'll come to that in a minute, but let's go back to that phrase, the produce of the ground. As I read that, it brought to my memory a verse. And if you could, turn with me to Genesis chapter 4, because there is a play on words here that I think you'll see very quickly. In this verse that we were just looking at, when it said produce of the ground, the word produce there is a specific Hebrew word, and it literally means fruit or bows or uh, reward. It could mean uh, fruit uh, or it could mean your offspring. It, it could mean both of those things. But it says the produce of the ground or fruit of the ground. And when I saw that, I immediately thought back to Genesis chapter 4, verse 3. And because it's such a wonderful chapter, I couldn't resist it, so we must go through it. So (laughs) look with me at Genesis chapter 4, and let's just look at verse 1. Now again, I'm bringing you into a context that's a little bit different than where we were at, because God is speaking about bringing the the produce from the ground when they go into the land, and and that's all fine and good. It's it's the giving of first fruits, and and that's all fine and good. But now we're going to go into Genesis chapter 4, and we're going to see something a little bit different. Look with me at verse 1 of chapter 4. It says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife. Of course he knew her, but he knew her intimately. That's what the, the, the word means. He had physical relations with her, and they, and they had twins, we believe. Notice, And she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. And then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, It came to pass that Cain brought an offering, notice, of the fruit of the ground. Underline that verse and put on the side of your your Bible there, chapter 26, verse 2. Deuteronomy 26, verse 2. Because these phrases, fruit of the ground and what we read before, produce of the ground, are exactly the same. The Hebrew words are exactly the same. The only thing that's different is in the English, they chose to put produce here because it was fruit and and things of that nature in Deuteronomy. But it's the same exact phrase in every shape and form. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. So he brought the biggest, fattest, most beautiful sheep or lamb. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was naturally very angry, and his countenance fell. And if you remember, shortly after that, Cain ended up meeting his brother in the field and killing him. Because he's jealous. Why does God... I bring God this huge Kittleburger florist big basket. It cost me $800. It's got the meat and the cheese and the, and the fruit and the little bow on top and all the goodies. And it's huge and it looks gorgeous. Flowers, roses sticking out, you know, uh, honeysuckle, you know, uh, snapdragons and all those beautiful things. Along with all the fruit and the meat and the cheese. Probably no meat and cheese, but... You get the idea. He's bringing them this beautiful thing. He worked so hard to, to bring it. He had to work by the sweat of his brow. He had to pick it up. 
and Abel comes along, and he comes and he just brings the, the, the best of his herd. He cuts the throat of that thing and it bleeds out. And God says, I like that. What are you talking about? This thing's a mess. This animal died and you look at this fruit basket, basically that you're bringing to the Lord. Lord, why don't you have a, you know, what's this? Well, turn with me, just go back a chapter to Genesis chapter 3. In verse 17, it says, Adam's, uh, Then to Adam, God, after the fall of man, after the fall of man, Adam and Eve, they sinned. Verse 17, it says, Then Adam said to, I'm sorry, then God said to Adam, He said, Because you have heeded the voice, because you've obeyed your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it. Notice, cursed is the ground. For your sake. That means all the things that are going to grow, it's cursed. It's cursed, Adam. You're going to have to work a lot harder now to get the same amount of fruit and vegetables. You're going to have to work really hard. Have you seen farmers out in the, in, in, even here in New York State? I mean, we got automated machines and stuff like that, but back in the day, they had none of that. And they were out there with the oxen and the yoke. You see, you go to um, some parts of uh, New York, some parts of Ohio, and you see the Amish still doing it. They're out there with that thing, and they got that little thing on the front like this, and they're out there doing it with their hands, and they, you know, it's 80 degrees outside, and they got the overalls and the hat on, and they're out there with a team of oxen, and they're doing this thing. And they work really hard. He says, Both thorns and and toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. And in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. From dirt you came, from dirt you're going to go. We're made of the same elements as the dirt. I don't know if you knew that. Same elements. Examine the elements on our, you know, they can, they, they've, they've looked at this. We're made of the same elements. So God said he formed us out of the dust of the earth. I think he did that because the composition is the same. But notice, it was the curse of the ground. So here, Cain brings the curse of the ground as an offering to God. Now, wouldn't you think that Adam and Eve... After the fall, had said something to their sons. It's not recorded anywhere in the Bible, but I believe that somewhere along the line, Adam and Eve described to their two sons, sons, this is what happened when we fell in the garden. In fact, let me just read it to you in verse chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. It says, And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Notice verse 21, And also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin. And he clothed them. He made a sacrifice. In order to get skin, you've got to kill an animal. A blood has to be spilled. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. We see it throughout the scripture. So now God himself kills an animal, a guiltless animal, an innocent animal. And he covers it for their sin. And he takes that skin and he covers Adam and Eve with it. Before they were using fig leaves. I mean, really? Fig leaves are pretty abrasive. But a blood sacrifice was provided by God. And of course, this was foreshadowing something many thousands or thousands of years later, his son will be slaughtered on that cross, making an atonement for our sin. But Cain's religion was one of works, and Abel's was one of faith. There was a professor named Monier Williams, I'm probably butchering his name, but he said this. Because there's a difference between works and faith. 
You and I both know that. And he said this, and he was a professor. And he says, in the discharge of my duties as professor of Sanskrit, and bear with me, some of these words are a little bit twisty, I have devoted as much time as any man living to the study of the sacred books of the East, and I have found the one key, the one diapason, so to speak, of all these books, whether it be the Vedas of the Brahmins, the uh, Pananas of Siva and Vishnu, the Quran of the Mohammedans, I'm sorry, I'm butchering these, the Zend Avesta of the Perses, the Tripitaka of the Buddhists, the one refrain throughout all is salvation by works. This is a man who studied them all. He says, salvation by works permeates them all. They all, have, they all say that salvation must be purchased. It must be bought with a price. And that, and that the sole price, the sole purchase money, must be our own work and deservings. And yet in Hebrews it says, And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So can you see that the type in the Bible, Cain, uh, uh, he, was, he, he, he worked. And there was nothing wrong with the fact that he worked hard, but he missed the point. He would have been better off taking a lamb with his brother and offering it together. God would have accepted both of them. But in one, we see one who, is, who does it by faith and understands the blood sacrifice needed. And in another one, we see that his own works get the job done. And you can see the type all throughout the Bible. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If God would have accepted Cain's sacrifice, Cain would have something to boast about. Look at how beautiful this thing is. I got the pineapple, I got the strawberries, I got the bananas, even those little red finger bananas that they grow down in Guatemala. I got all those things. I got all these beautiful fruits. Man, it just looks gorgeous. And he'd be boasting. And the next time he'd bring an offering, it'd be even bigger. So let's go back to verse 1. It says, And when you come into the land, which the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance, and you possess in it and dwell in it, that you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground, we just looked at that, which you shall bring from your land, that the Lord your God is giving you, notice the gift, and you put it in a basket and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. And where is the name that God was going to make his name abide? There were at least, there's at least one place, but there's probably a second too. And the first one was probably Shiloh. We're not going to go there, but you might want to write down Joshua chapter 18, verse 1. Because as the children of Israel went through the desert, as they came into the promised land, Joshua tells us, and we're going to get there pretty soon, they set up the tabernacle, finally. They wrecked the whole thing, and, and, and now they got everything together. And it's kind of like a, a stationary thing, and it stays in Shiloh for a while. But ultimately, where it was going to, God's name was going to abide, would be in Jerusalem. And we see that in Second Samuel chapter 6. You might want to write that. When David brings in the ark after being hijacked by the Philistines for, uh, for some time, now it comes back into Jerusalem. And there, a temple is going to be built, but... David can't do it, but Solomon's going to do it, right? And there it abode, the Ark of the Covenant and the, the tabernacle. In verse 3, he says, And you shall go to the one who is the priest in those days and say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the country which the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Then the priest shall take the basket out of your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. Now, this is something kind of unique. This, this first fruits, 
that they are giving when they first come into the land, it's a little bit different from what they're going to do every year after that as the, as the Feast of First Fruits. That, but this was something unique on the first time they get in because you'll notice that there's reciting of things where God is saying, when you come into the land, you go to the priest and you say this to him. We see it in verse 3, and you, you can look at it and it says, say to him. You can underline that. And then verses 5 through 10, you can look at verses 5 through 10, and beginning in verse 5, and it says, And you shall answer and say before the Lord your God. And then he gives the quotes that, that they're going to say. They're, they're going to say something in addition to the things that they were going to give. And also, thirteen verses 13 through 15, you look at that. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, etc., etc. And so, verses uh, 3, and then verses 5 through 10, and then verses 13 through 15. This is a little bit different. He's telling them to recite these things. It's almost like, remember where you came from. And we know that there was an earlier commandment. You don't have to go there. Let me just read it to you. But in Leviticus chapter 23, it speaks of this feast of first fruits. And it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, beginning in verse 9, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I give you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted on your behalf. And on the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it, and you shall offer on that day when you have or when you wave the sheaf a male lamb of the first year without blemish. As a burnt offering to the Lord, its grain offering shall be two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour. And he goes through the rest of those next couple of verses and talks about what they're to do. And that's something they were going to do every year. But now what we're reading now is a little bit different because now there's things that I'm going to be sharing with the priest. It's almost like I'm rehearsing something. The very first time they get in there, they're like, this is where we came from and this is why I'm doing this. And so this is kind of a unique thing. So let's go on to verse 5. Verses 5 through 10 really just speak of God's faithful provision and preservation of Israel. Notice with me, verse 5, it says, And you shall answer and say before the Lord your God, My father was a Syrian about to perish, and he went down to Egypt and dwelt there, few in number, and there he became a nation, great, mighty, and populous. Who is this Syrian? It's Jacob. Jacob. Jacob is a Syrian. If you underline the word Syrian there in verse 5, it literally means Aramei. Uh, it, it, basically, I'm butchering the Hebrew, but it means an Aramite or an Aramean. It's someone who is, it's either a thing or a person from Syria. Aram is actually the name of it. Padan Aram, does that ring a bell? Padan Aram. So Aram is a group of people, and they are descendant, believe it or not, from Abraham. So Syrian... Or Aramaeans refers to Jacob specifically in this instance because he went down to Egypt. Notice what it says in the verse here, very few, and they became a large nation when they finally went out. You remember when Abraham left the Ur of the Chaldees, which is modern-day Iraq, he moved. Well, look, from your perspective, looking at me, I'm going to think of the map in reverse so you can see it. So here he is over here in the Ur of the Chaldees. He moves west, doesn't he? And he goes up to Haran, and they named it Haran because one of Abraham's brothers' name was Haran, and most of the, a good chunk of the family stayed there in Haran, and God led Abram to go continue going down into the land of Canaan, what you and I know to be Canaan. And those people who remained in Haran became known as Arameans. That area became known as Padan Aram, modern-day Syria. 
in Syria back at this time. And so Rebekah, you recall Isaac and Rebekah, she was fetched from Abraham's Aramean branch in Haran. Remember when Abraham said to his servant without a name, he says, go to my family up in Haran and fetch my son Isaac a bride. Not to the land of Canaan, but search a bride for my, you know, for my son. He goes, he finds Rebekah. Rebekah is of the family of the Arameans, family, kin of Abram. Does that make sense? And so Isaac and Jacob, they married women from this Aramean branch of the family. And we know that Jacob is also called an Aramean. He's called a Syrian. And you can read about that in uh, Genesis chapter 24. But in Genesis 25, verse 19, let me just read this to you. It says, This is the genealogy of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begat Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian, of Padan Aram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. So in this verse, you know, when we're looking at verse 5, and you shall answer, and you say before the Lord your God, My father was a Syrian. He was about to perish. He was just few in number. And he went down to Egypt and dwelt there, few in number. And there he became a great nation. He's speaking of Jacob and ultimately the 12 tribes of of Jacob, his sons. You remember, they all go down into Egypt. And they all come out after a time. And they were a huge army. They lived there for 430 years. So now they got this huge army. It's speaking of Jacob. And remember, Jacob himself, when he was getting uh, at that age in his life when he should be married, remember in Genesis chapter 28, verses 1 through 9, it says, Isaac called Jacob, and he blessed him, and he charged him, and he said, Son, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padan Aram. In other words, go to our, na- you know, our, our family, our kin up in Padan Aram, the Aramites, the Syrians. To the house of Bethuel, your father's mother, and take yourself a wife from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. And may God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may be an assembly of peoples and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. Notice verse 5. So Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padan Aram. He went to this place where his family was, when Jacob, or when, when Abraham first was leaving Ur the Chaldees, and he went up to Haran. Remember, his father died in Haran, and most the, a good chunk of the family stayed there, and Abraham continued. Now he's saying to Isaac, go back, or to, to Jacob, I'm sorry, go to Padan Aram and fetch yourself a bride from our kin. And he says in verse 5, So Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padan Aram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. And notice, I, I just throw this in here as a free of charge <laughs> because I find this really interesting, just the, the animosity between Jacob and Esau, the promise given to Jacob. Jacob taking the birthright, you can see it that way, but you know he, he, he has the birthright now. E, Esau is full of bitter grapes. And it says in verse 6, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about uh, Genesis 28 here. Verse 6, it says, Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padan Aram to take himself away from there, and that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge saying, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Stay away from Canaan. Stay away from those girls, Jacob. 
and that Jacob had Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.